الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ومن اقتدى بسنته إلى يوم الدين أما بعد. So as it relates to the affair of Umdat al-Ahkam, Kitab al-Tahara, the chapter on purification, today we're going to study the fifth hadith, hadith number five. And the hadith is an Abi Huwata radiyallahu an, an Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, layabulanna ahadukum fil ma'id da'im alladhi la yajri thumma yaghtasalu fihi. Walimuslimin, لا يغتسل أحدكم في الماء الدائم وهو جنب. and that is that Abu Huraira رضي الله عنه he said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he said none of you should urinate in a water that is still that is not flowing and then wash himself in that same water. none of you should urinate in a stag in stagnant water. That is not flowing, and then wash yourself in that same water. This is not allowed. To, this is not allowed. لا يغتسل أحدكم. And in the hadith narration from Sahih Muslim, Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "None of you should wash fil daim None of you should wash themselves in a stagnant water while they are in a state of junub, sexual impurity." Regarding this hadith, barakallahu feekum, uh, we deal with a few points. The first is the tarjuma of the rawi, and that is the biography of the narrator of this hadith. And that's Abu Huwaita radiallahu an, and we've studied his biography in our previous lessons. The second point is um, the topic of the hadith, the mawdu al-hadith. And that is, bayanu hukm al-bawli fil ma'id raqid wal-iqtisali fihi min al-janaba. And that is, barakalafikum, the ruling of uh, urinating in uh, stagnant water, or water that is still, uh, and washing oneself in it, whilst they are in a state of junub, whilst they are in a state of junub, or sexual impurity. This is the title that we're going to give, inshallah, for this uh, hadith. Point number three, and that is that, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا يبولن, None of you should urinate. And this is, لا النَّاهِيَ This is a prohibition. Which means it's haram to urinate in water that is stagnant, that's not flowing. And this is a prohibition from the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And also, in this hadith, point number four, the Messenger وسلم, mentions Janaba, that one should not wash themselves in water that is stagnant while they're in a state of Junub. And what is the meaning of Junub? Junub is that which state that the individual is in after having sexual relations or having a nocturnal dream, uh, 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 a wet dream or anything of its likes and um, the person is in a state of junub meaning that they're in need to do this ritual 
uh, bathing in order to be in a state of tahara so they can pray. This is the meaning of junub. Now the word uh, junub comes from the original meaning of something that is far away. Something that is far away. So it's called junub because the person has uh, ejaculated or uh, the ejaculation has left their body and is far away from their body. So that's why he's in a state of junub. And that's why he or she is in a state of junub. And the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has indeed made it obligatory upon the person who is in this state that they have to make ghusl in order to pray. But as for this affair of junub, of being junub and janaba, that individual has to have this uh, omission, has to be sexual, has to be something that is bringing some type of pleasure. But as for the person who has that illness where they have discharge, they are not junub. Because that which is junub is connected to pleasure. It's connected to pleasure. So the person who has this uh, discharge that occurs, as, in the, as mentioned in the hadith of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in some of the Sahaba, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, from them Ali ibn Abi Talib, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam ordered them to make wudu. He ordered them to make wudu, which shows that they're not in a state of junub. So here, the affair of junub is the one that wakes up from a wet dream or has had uh, uh, ejaculation due to barakallahu feekum uh, uh, sexual intercourse and its likes. The person is therefore in a state of junub. Point number five, and that is benefits that we can take from this hadith. The first benefit is the prohibition of urinating in water that is stagnant and still. And this is due to the fact that there are people who may want to use that water, and therefore you are harming others. And this shows, Barakallahu Fikum, the importance of cleanliness in the deen of al-Islam. Point number two. And that is Jawaz al-Bawl fil ladi And the mafum mukhalafa, or the inverse meaning that is taken from this uh, hadith, is the permissibility to urinate in a water that flows, as the messenger prohibited one to urinate in, the, in water that is still. Therefore, it is permissible to urinate in water that is flowing. And Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentioned that the condition of this, and likewise, Sheikh Saleh Fawzan, that the condition is that that flowing water is not going to be used at the end of the, the flow by others. So it must be, for example, Al-Bahar. For example, if someone wants to urinate in the sea, this is permissible. But as for the one who urinates in a fountain, for example, where people may go and use the water, whether either to drink or to, for, for wudu, then this is haram, this is impermissible. Now, the next benefit that we can take from this hadith is the nahi anil iqtisal fil ma'id da'im min al And that is the prohibition of um, doing ghusl uh, in water that is stagnant. The water has to be flowing. The water has to be flowing. Point number four. And that is juwaz al-iqtisal min al-janaba fil ma'il jari. And there, here comes the mafum mukhalafa, the inverse meaning. And that is it's permissible for one to make ghusl and have that ritual bath in water that flows because it's prohibited 
in water that is stagnant. So therefore it's permissible for in water that is that flows. And this is the mafum mukhalafa. And this is indeed the inverse meaning as is mentioned by the ulama of usul. And the fifth benefit that we can take from this is the level of care that the deen of al-Islam takes and holds as it relates to cleanliness and distancing the servant from all affairs that cause harm. Because a person who urinates in the water is causing harm to themselves by, by making wudu in that stagnant water and likewise harming others that may use it and use that water. After this, Barakallahu Fikum, we go to the next hadith. The hadith of Sadis. The sixth hadith. And that is again an Abi Huerta radiyallahu an and an Abiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-qal Ida shariba al-kalbu fi ina'i ahadikum falyagsilhu sab'an wali muslimin ulahunna bitturab. And that is an Abi Huerta Nabi that the Prophet وسلم, he said if any of if a dog was to drink in any vessel of yours or any of you then wash it seven times if a dog was to drink in the vessel of any of you then wash yani that vessel seven seven times and Imam Muslim reported that the first wash should be with, with uh, earth. The first wash should be with earth or little pebbles. And in the second hadith which uh, is mentioned here in Umrut al-Ahkam, وَلَهُ فِي حَدِيثِ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ إِبْنُ مُغَفَّلِ رَضِي اللَّهُ عَنْ أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا ولغ الكلب في الإناء في الإناء فاغسلوه سبعا وعفروه الثامنة بالتراب and that is that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that if the, a dog was to um, put his the tip of his tongue in any of your vessels uh, then wash it seven times and and scrub it with with earth or, or, or stone uh, the eighth scrub it with stone or earth in the eighth and we'll explain what the eighth means as it relates to this hadith inshallah so regarding these uh this this uh, portion here from umrah al-ahkam we will deal with it in points the first point is the tarjama and the biography of the narrator and the narrator is abu radiallahu an, and we've mentioned previously his biography but there's another narrator, and his name is Abdullah ibn Mughaffal radiyallahu an. He's a narrator of this hadith, and he's Al-Muzani. His name is Abdullah ibn Mughaffal Al-Muzani. And he made bayat to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, bayat to Ridwan. And he was from the fuqaha, and the well-knowledgeable from the sahaba radiyallahu an, and from those who Umar ibn Khattab, he sent to Basra to educate the people and give the people fiqh. And he died in Basra. Abdullah ibn Mughaffal al-Muzani, he died in Basra in the year 57, after the migration of the Messenger from Mecca to Medina, 
رضي الله عنه وعن أصحابه النبينا محمد أجمعين. The second benefit that we're going to take or second issue that we're going to deal with here today is the Mawdu' al-Hadith is indeed the title or the topic of this Hadith. And that is Bayan Kayfiyyat al-Tathir al-Najasat al-Kalb. And that is here is the chapter or the the heading for this Hadith or topic for this Hadith is how, yani clarifying how to purify the impurities of the dog. How to purify the impurities of the dog. Now, the third affair, Barakallahu Fikum, that we're going to deal with is the general understanding of this hadith. And that is that the deen of Islam, from Allah Ta'ala's wisdom, that He, Subhanahu Ta'ala, has informed us of the harms from those creations that He's created. And those affairs that could cause us harm. And from them is the, the, the saliva of the dog. The saliva of the dog. And this barakallahu feekum is from the alamat al-nabu'u and the sign of the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because it's only recently that the scientists have indeed found out that there are bacteria that are found in the tongue of the, the dog that can cause illnesses and harm. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam over 1400 years ago advised in this hadith on how we should indeed purify vessels that uh, the dog has indeed his tongue or its tongue has touched. And this shows the Nabu and the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that back then he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informed of how to clean and wash the vessel. And it's not just a single wash. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam advised to wash it seven times. With the first time being with turab and earth or, or, or pebbles and so forth. And this shows, barakallahu feekum, the extent of the najasa and the impurity that is found or impurities that are found in the tongue of the dog. And as mentioned, scientists have indeed uh, found that the bacteria in the tongue of the dog is, in, is indeed... Uh, Dangerous, and this barakalafikum shows you the beauty of the deen of Islam and the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because in this hadith of Abu Hurairah and uh, Abdullah ibn Mughaffir, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was commanded to wash every single ina, every single vessel that the tongue of the dog has touched, seven times with water, and to scrub it the first time with sand or, or turab or earth or, to, or, or pebbles and that is to remove the filth and the bacteria and so forth that is found in the tongue of the dog and Al-Aini Al-Aini Rahimahullahu Ta'ala has mentioned that it's an ijma' that it is a consensus Amongst the ulama, the scholars, that it al-wujubi ghasl al-ina. A consensus amongst the scholars on the obligation of washing the vessel after the tongue of the dog or the dog has touched it. And this barakalafikum is a consensus amongst the ulama. La khilaf, no different amongst the ulama in that regard. 
But there is an affair that the ulama differed in. And that is, is the dog impure? Is the dog impure in its entirety? Is the dog impure? Some of the ulama that hold that the dog isn't impure, but rather his tongue, the tongue of the dog is the only impure thing in a dog based upon this hadith. That the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned walaga, which means using the tip of the tongue. Walag is using the tip of the tongue to, and to use the tip of the tongue and to move it in a vessel. So they say because of this wording of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the thing that's impure regarding the dog is its tongue. But some of the ulama from the Hanabila and the Shafi'iyah and also Abu Yusuf from the Hanafiyyah uh, and likewise, Ibn Uthaymeen, Rahimullah Ta'ala, and Ibn Hazm, they all hold that the dog is impure. And again, based upon the same hadith. Based upon this hadith. And the angle that they hold, or that they held, Rahimullah Ta'ala, regarding the dog, saying that the dog is impure, is like the Ashraf, the most noble part of the body is your tongue and it should be the cleanest part of your body is your tongue as no doubt that is the access to your stomach and to your throat and so forth so the purest part of one's body should be the tongue but here the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he has ordered that if the tongue of the dog was to touch any of your vessels then you should wash it, not just once, not just twice, seven times. And the first time with Torah. So it shows that the extent of the impurity of the tongue of the, of the dog, or the dog's tongue. And if the tongue is that which is the most noble part of the body for the dog, and it is, and also for humans. If that is impure, then what about the rest of the body? What of the rest of the body, Minbabil Aula? It's more so impure, the rest of the body is more so impure if the tongue is impure. And this, Allah Alam, is the strongest opinion that the dog is impure. But the ulama, they make an exception. And they make an exception as it relates to the dog in which Allah's Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, has allowed one to have. And that is the dog, the guard dog, or the dog that is used for sayyid and hunting. And the ruksa, you can say, leeway has been given for those regarding those dogs. But as for other than them, then the affair of impurities apply to them. Those are the dogs, based upon this hadith. But the correct opinion is the opinion of the Hanabila and the opinion of the Shafi'iyah, and likewise Abu Yusuf and Barakallahu Fikum Ibn Hazm and Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahumullah, is that the dog is impure. The dog is impure due to the um, this narration where the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has ordered uh, intensive and, uh, cleaning to, to be done in order to uh, clean the vessel which the tongue of the dog has touched. After this we deal with some general benefits that we can take from this hadith. The first benefit is that the saliva of the, the dog and the tongue of the dog is indeed impure. And 
Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah ta'ala he mentions and he says and that is everything that comes out of the body of the dog is impure from its sweat and from its urine because it's saliva again as we mentioned previously the tongue is indeed the most noble part of the body so if the saliva that comes from the tongue is impure that means that everything else that comes out from the body of the dog is impure from bowl from urine and irk and sweat and other than that and vomit and so forth is impure the second benefit that we can take from this hadith and that is that the impurity of the dog is not an impurity that is light it's a heavy impurity extreme impurity due to the way the messenger sallallahu has ordered for us to wash the vessel seven times in the first with turab the third benefit that we can take from this hadith is the obligation of purifying and cleaning making tathir and cleaning and cleansing the barakalafiq and the vessel that the dog indeed has his tongue has touched and do this this has to be done seven times now in the hadith we have two narrations as you know one that mentions that it should be washed seven times and the first being with uh, turab, stone, earth, gravel and so forth um, then we have the second hadith where he said wash it seven times and the eighth or eight uh, with gravel or stone, earth so then how can we combined uh, these two narrations the first narration mentions seven and the second narration mentions eight in the apparel it seems that there is conflicting wording in, in these two narrations but no doubt there is no confliction and there is no contradiction in that when the messenger وسلم, mentioned that we should wash it seven times now but then he mentions Turab using earth and that usage of earth is indeed the eighth Meaning it's eighth with the first wash. So it's actually eight, meaning seven times with water. And the eighth is with the stone and with the gravel and the turab. But that is ulahunna. That is, made, that is washed with the, in the beginning. Meaning that the first thing you do is you use the, the, the turab, barakalafikum, and the earth to scrub uh, the vessel. And then seven times you wash it. So with that, it, um, it combines these two narrations that that which is considered eight is in fact just the Torah itself and the, the stone or the gravel and the earth which should be done in the beginning. Which should be done in the beginning as is mentioned in the loft and the wording in Sahih Muslim. Now, so here it shows the obligation of doing this, these steps in purification and uh, cleanse, cleaning the, um, the vessel. And the sixth benefit or the next benefit that we can take from this hadith uh, is this is an ayah. This is a sign min ayatin Nabi sallallahu from the signs of the Prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu which is a clear proof of his truthfulness and the authenticity of his message sallallahu As it relates to this affair here for the one that has iman and the one that has certainty 
they know that the Messenger وسلم, has informed us of how one should remove the, the impurities of the dog's tongue and that is impure and is extremely impure. And the doctors have found this out recently. So no doubt it was revelation from Allah. Allah revealed to him وسلم, as relates to this affair and it shows the truthfulness and authenticity of his messengership and with this we conclude likewise today's lesson as it relates to Kitab al-Tahara, the book of uh, purification, dealing with three narrations from the messenger and next week inshallah we will deal with the kafiyat al-wudu how to do wudu yani wudu nabi sallallahu wudu in nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam how to perform the wudu that the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam performed we will do this step by step next week bi'idhnillah ta'ala mentioning the conditions of wudu and the obligations of wudu and the sunan and the preferred actions of wudu bi'idhnillah ta'ala in collaboration with the hadith that we'll find here in Kitab al-Tahara of Umdat al-Ahkam next week. Bi-idhnillahi ta'ala rabbil arshul azim. Hada wallahu a'lam. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak. Ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.